Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, throughout my years living in Winnipeg, I've heard it said uh, numerous times by various people that in Winnipeg there are two seasons, uh, winter and road construction. Of course, that's kind of uh, humorous, but in a way it's, it's accurate. As soon as the snow and ice melts off the roads, our road construction crews get to work. But sometimes I wonder, as you drive around with so many uh, bumpy roads and so many potholes on the roads, you wonder, how do they decide where to start fixing the roads? There's so many to fix. But I imagine various factors are looked at, but I'm sure that most attention is paid to the important roads of the city, roads that see high traffic volume. After all, those roads affect uh, so many people. If they aren't fixed, then it's going to cause uh, lots of problems. And you see this with more things in life. Uh, For example, when you have an older car with multiple uh, car problems, you start by fixing the most urgent ones. And if you don't fix the urgent ones first, it's going to create more and more problems, and soon your car is not going to work at all. It's a little bit like that in the book of Malachi, too. In this prophecy, the Lord, he's addressing various problems in Israel. Things are going wrong on multiple fronts. However, the first problems that God addresses are the ones related to the priests. And that's because this is the most urgent thing that needs fixing in Israel. That's because if the priests sinfully go astray, if this problem is not fixed, it's going to have a cascading effect throughout the rest of the land and for the rest of the people of of God. They will go astray too. Sin and moral decay will spread like a terrible disease. And so here in our text, the Lord continues to address the priests. He had already addressed them somewhat in chapter 1, and now he focuses it more in chapter 2. The priests are not faithfully carrying out their duties, and they need correction, or Israel risks losing out on God's blessings. So that brings us to the sermon theme, which this morning is this. The Lord threatens to curse the priests so that his blessing might flow to his people again. So the Lord threatens to curse the priests so that his blessing might flow to his people again. We're going to look at, first of all, the reason for this threat, and second of all, the return of God's blessing. So back in chapter 1, the Lord directed his words against both the priests and the people. They dishonored him for sacrificing defiled offerings, although the Lord focused mainly on the priests. The beginning of chapter 2 continues the same theme of what is wrong in the temple worship, but here the Lord specifically addressed the priests alone. And the Lord does not mince his words. He says, If you, O priests, will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And that is such a strong language. 
The curse was the ultimate punishment of God upon sinners. Just read about uh, the curses of the covenant, for example, in places like Leviticus 26. And here the Lord threatens to curse the priests. We might wonder, well, why does God word things so strongly? Now, why such a severe threat? And again, one of the main reasons is the importance of the priest's job, of their work. The priests served as mediators between God and his people. They, the priests, they represented God to the people, and they represented the people to God. It was such a crucial task they had from God. And this served several important functions. The priests offered up the sacrifices at the temple for the people. And these sacrifices pointed the people to the forgiveness of their sins through the shedding of blood. It was like the Old Testament means of grace to to work faith in, in their hearts, to strengthen their faith. The priests also offered up prayers on behalf of the people. Every day uh, inside the temple, incense was offered on the altar to God, and as that incense was offered up, uh, prayers were given to God on behalf of the people. The Lord also commanded the priests to teach the people his law. Listen only to Leviticus 10, verses 10 and 11, where the Lord says to the priests, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. That's one function of the priests we sometimes forget about. They had a teaching function, teach the people the law of God. And you can see the Lord specifically highlighting that here in Malachi 2. He says, the lips of the priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. Such an important task. And one final thing was also the priest's duty to pronounce God's blessing on the people. They would bless the people of God. In number six, the Lord instructed Aaron to speak the words we hear every Sunday. The Lord bless you and keep you, and so on. And then Yahweh said, So shall the priests, Aaron and his children, put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And when all of this was done properly, when the priests were faithful in their duty then God's blessings could indeed flow uh, to his people through that ministry. God's name would be properly honored. The people's faith would be strengthened. Israel would learn to live a holy life, a life pleasing to the Lord. And the covenant would reach its intended uh, climax. Beautiful fellowship between God and his people. And this indeed happened at several points in Israel's history. Listen only only to what the Lord says here in Malachi 2. My covenant with Levi was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. 
True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. Think only of what we sang from Psalm 106, right? How Phineas, he was zealous for the glory of the Lord's name. He acted strongly to deal with sin, and it resulted in the turning aside of the plague from God's people. But that was a far cry from what was happening now in the time of Malachi. Chapter 1 showed us that the priests dishonored God's name. They offered up defiled sacrifices, thinking it was just fine. Here in chapter 2, they were failing at their duty to teach the people God's laws. And the Lord says, people should seek instruction from the priest's mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts, but you have turned aside from the way. And you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And because this was happening, the Lord sent the prophet Malachi to rebuke the priests, to correct them to also threaten them with punishment if they did not change their ways. And listen to how strongly God puts it here. It's quite shocking. He says, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. See, when the the priests offered up the sacrifices, they cut up the animal to be sacrificed. They burned parts of it on the altar, but other parts, such as the intestines, uh, were removed. And then they were transported outside the camp or the city to be dumped and, and to be burned. Here the Lord threatens to take that part of the animal sacrifice and spread it on their faces and then take them away with that part of the offering outside of the camp or the city. This was, first of all, deeply humiliating. Priests had the most privileged position in all Israel, serving the Lord right at the temple. But here they are pictured as being completely defiled, removed, taken to the ash heap with the garbage of the sacrifice. They dishonored the name of Yahweh, and so the Lord will now dishonor them. And this was also disastrous for the people. It would be disastrous for the people. If the priests suffered this fate, then the priests could not perform their duty anymore. And that left the people in the lurch. There would be no one left to mediate between them and the Lord. They would continue to stumble in their sinful ways without proper instruction. The Lord's blessings would no longer properly flow to His people as He desired. And we do well to heed the words of this text. Because this message is not just for Old Testament Israel and for Old Testament priests. It's very much a message for the New Testament church. After all, what we have in the church is a heightened form 
of the temple worship in Israel. The New Testament church is the temple of God. Listen only to 1 Corinthians 3 about the church. Do you not know that you, plural, are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, plural? God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And there are strong similarities between the work of Old Testament priests and what happens in the New Testament church. Yes, there are also great changes. Things have been transformed in and through Christ. But the substance remains the same and is even stronger, we could say. Take, for example, the teaching ministry that happens in the church. Uh, Notice the priestly language Paul uses when describing uh, his ministry in Romans 15. This is what he says. He says, God gave me his grace to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So just as God had appointed the priests and Levites to teach his people in the Old Testament, so the Lord has appointed pastors and teachers, ministers, elders, and deacons to teach God's people so that we would know God's will and walk in his ways. And God takes this very seriously and and for good reason. If the teachers in the church teach what is false and wrong and sinful, God's people will surely go astray. If teachers in the church fail to honor God's name by living and teaching, if they live and teach contrary to God's word, the results are going to be disastrous. This is one reason why Paul implored Timothy, saying, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Watch your doctrine and your life. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. And recall what the prophet Hosea also said uh, in Hosea 4. The, The Lord there through Hosea says, My people die for lack of knowledge. They don't know God's ways. But we need to understand that was not, first of all, a charge against the people, as in, well, the people are, are failing in their duty. And yes, they were, but it was a charge first against the priests who were supposed to teach them. So the Lord is saying, my people are dying because they don't know God's will and ways. So we need to ensure that the preaching and teaching in the church is according to God's word. It's so important. It's because God's blessings flow to us through the means of grace, that's primarily through the preaching of God's Word, the gospel. And if this is corrupted, then the blessings of the gospel will fail to to come to God's people. But of course, this is also an application not just for teachers in the church, but for all of us. After all, we confess that everyone in the church holds the office of priest. We we refer to it as 
uh, the priesthood of all believers. And so in certain respects, we all have a duty to teach. Parents have a priestly duty to teach their children. Fellow members have the priestly duty to teach each other. And even if you don't do much teaching with your words, you need to to understand you are always teaching by your actions. You are always teaching by your actions. After all, you have the name of Christ on you. And so in that sense, you represent Christ to your fellow believers and to those who don't know the Lord. In how you live your life, you're always teaching people what it means to be a Christian. And you're showing, you're supposed to show something of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, is like. And if we speak and act as these priests here in Malachi, then we will likewise bring dishonor to the name of God. You know, may it never be said of any of us, well, I didn't know, I didn't know Christians spoke like that. Or, wow, I didn't know Christians engaged in, in that kind of activity. Right? That brings dishonor to the name of Christ, to the name of God. And the Lord notices what goes on in His temple, the church. He notices when His priests, believers, bring dishonor to his name. That brings us to our second point. So the priests in the time of Malachi needed correction. Thankfully, the priesthood did go through some better periods after this, uh, but sin and corruption were by no means eradicated from the priesthood. And this is abundantly clear during the time of Jesus Christ. Not only did the priests at the time of Christ, not only did they not properly teach the people the ways of the Lord, but it was the chief priests themselves that led the people in, in having Jesus crucified. Well, that is exactly backwards of what they were supposed to do. And the words of Malachi to the priests of, his, of Jesus' time could easily be applied uh, to them. And so if Malachi were around in the time of Christ, he would likewise rebuke them, correct them, and give them the same threat as well of God's punishment. And he would likewise long for those faithful priests of old, as he does here in in Malachi 2, you know, how he talks about that covenant with Levi. There were faithful priests who honored his name. And how much better that was. And one wishes those faithful priests could go on serving so that God's blessings could continue to flow. Sadly, however, we know that, yes, the faithful priests, they died. They couldn't serve anymore. The book of Hebrews highlights this particular problem with Israel's priesthood. Chapter 7, verse 23 says, The former priests, the ones of the Old Testament, Old Covenant, They were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. And even if you had faithful priests, 
They couldn't go on serving forever. And that's one reason why the Lord brought about a new covenant with a new priesthood. The weakness of the Old Testament priesthood could not bring about God's lasting blessings to His people. And so the Lord sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and He sent Him as a different kind of priest, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. God swore an oath that Jesus would be a priest forever, as so Hebrews 7 says, the Lord Jesus has become priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus Christ is a priest that will remain forever. In the Gospels, we see Christ faithfully carrying out his priestly duties. Just think of how the Lord Jesus, uh, how the Lord Jesus was so often uh, teaching, uh, teaching and teaching again the people God's ways, as the priests were supposed to do. And both Matthew and Mark noted that the people stood amazed at him because Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The priests in their day had never taught them as the Lord Jesus had. And through this priest, Jesus Christ, God's blessings, they, they flow to God's people again. And it's in this we also see a, a stunning reversal from the priests of Malachi's day. See, here in our text, the Lord threatens to curse the priests and to turn their blessings into a curse. But what did God do in Jesus Christ? The Lord God did not merely threaten to curse this priest, but he actually did it on the cross. Jesus was taken outside the city or the camp, as we could sing, and there he was crucified. In his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus received the curse that comes upon sinners. But notice what God does. God cursed this priest, Jesus Christ, so that he might turn that curse into a blessing for God's people. Here in our text, he says he will turn the blessings of the priests into a curse. But in Jesus Christ, he turned the curse that came upon Christ into a blessing for us. That's because we're redeemed from the curse of the law through Christ. And because of this sacrifice, God raised Jesus to never-ending life. And so Jesus Christ always serves as priest to bless us, even from heaven. We see that in his ascension. Luke 24 says, Jesus led his disciples out as far as Bethany and then lifting up his hands... He blessed them. He's doing his priestly work as he ascends into heaven, blessing God's people. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. We can be sure because of the perfect priestly work of Christ that Christ's blessing will never be turned into a, into a curse. No, it comes with the very blessing of God. 
And the Lord ascended into heaven to represent us there before the Father. He's our mediator there. And also from heaven, he continues his priestly uh, teaching ministry. Just think, for example, of the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2 and 3, we have letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor from the Lord Jesus. In the very first one, Christ describes himself as the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And that's priestly language. The lampstand, of course, is a reference to the golden lampstand in the Old Testament temple. And so the New Testament church, as we can see here, is the new temple of God, and Christ, our priest, is present in the church, walking among the lampstands. And here he is in the book of Revelation, carrying out, continuing on his teaching ministry from heaven as priest. And as he rebukes, corrects, and encourages God's New Testament church, He's acting like the faithful priest described in Malachi 2. True instruction is found in his mouth, and no wrong is found on his lips. And he is busy turning many from sin. You can see that in those letters to the churches, calling them to repent. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we seek instruction from our great high priest, and we do that as we read and study God, uh, Jesus' words in, in Scripture and as we hear His Word proclaimed as well in the church. And as New Testament church, we must uh, submit to the teaching of our great high priest. He's teaching us according to the will of God, and so we must listen to His instruction. He's, he's leading us in the law of God and in, in God's will. And it's through his ministry that God's blessings will flow to us as people as we listen to Christ, our high priest. Now think about it this way. When an Old Testament Israelite went to the temple, he had access to the priest. You might ask the priest, you know, what does God require of me in this instance or in this scenario? And if the priest faithfully did his duty, he would teach him exactly what God required, and the people had to follow that instruction. It was the will of God. It's the same thing with the teaching of Christ. We must follow it. And our high priest, Jesus Christ, continues to equip us also for that same ministry. By faith in Christ, we share in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we all hold the, prophet, uh, the office of priest. And we need to remember, it's not just an analogy. Sometimes we might think that, you know, just as, okay, we can see what the Old Testament priests do, and, and we do similar things that they did. But no, we should not think the Old Testament priesthood was the real thing, and we're just imitating it a little bit. Rather, our experience, our office as priests, is a heightened form of the Old Testament priesthood. 
or we can even say it is a more true experience of what it means to be a priest to God. You see, these priests in this text here in Malachi, you are a priest like them, and even more so. It's not just an analogy, it's a heightened uh, reality. Yes, there are very real differences that has changed in Christ. None of us will be offering animal sacrifices at a physical temple. But we are priests in God's service, in Jesus Christ. And God calls you to carry out this office in a way that pleases Him. And the good news is that Scripture and our text guides us in this. You know, in the first point, we looked at some of the, the negative aspects, what we are to avoid as priests. As priests, we need to make sure we never dishonor God's name by teaching what is false or sinful or what will cause people to, to stumble in sin. We must never do or act in a way or speak in a way that causes others to blaspheme God's name. But here in this text, and also in the perfect example of our Lord Jesus Christ, we also have the positive side. We see how God wants us to actively fulfill our duties as priests in His service. So here the Lord chastises the priest for dishonoring His name. And so we see that, and as priests, we make it our aim to honor God's name in everything we say or do. We seek to bring glory to God, by our words, by our actions. We do this by refusing to curse with our mouth or joking about what is immoral. We do this by acting in a way that is worthy of the gospel, making it our aim to live a blameless life so that also when people accuse you as a Christian of doing wrong, they may be ashamed of their slander and instead need to glorify God because of your good deeds and holy life. The Lord in our text also holds up the tribe of Levi of old as an example to follow. The Lord says, My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. So let us do likewise. Let us fear the Lord in the same way. And that doesn't mean we never have a feel, a, a sense of peace in our relationship with God, like we're constantly afraid or something like that. But Scripture says to fear the Lord is to shun evil. It means to turn away from sin because you know, as a priest, how holy God is and how much He hates sin. Someone who fears the Lord shudders when sin is celebrated. And the Lord goes on in verses 6 and 7, True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. And so as priests in God's service, we make this our aim more and more. 
We aim to know God's Word, to know God's will. See, we can only give good instruction if we know what God's Word says. And we make it our goal to remove everything that is sinful from our lips. Speak what is building up to others, especially our brothers and sisters in the church. We seek to turn each other from sin. We speak words in such a way that bring glory to God. Not only that, but notice how it says the priest walked with the Lord. The ideal priest walks with the Lord in peace and uprightness. You know, the Lord Jesus walks among the lampstands of his temple, the New Testament church, and as priests in his service, we walk with him. And that means relationship with our Lord. It means learning from him, following his lead. It means trusting in his finished work on your behalf. It means growing in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And as we do these things more and more by God's grace, then we will faithfully carry out our office as priests to God's glory. Amen. Let us now respond by singing hymn 26.